Yo, what's poppin', man? It's your man, Dean Edwards, and the Fathermuckin' Protocol wants to let y'all know about Sattva. Sattva is the only online luxury mattress brand that designs, manufactures, and installs across America. Now, you feel me? That means they actually deliver to you. Since they have no physical retail stores, they are able to offer a premium mattress at a fraction of the price without any of the industry markup. And actually, Sattva is launching a new brand, Loom and Leaf, right now at South by Southwest. You feel me? Loom and Leaf is the perfect premium memory foam mattress. Ah, I almost made it through that. Loom and Leaf is the perfect premium memory foam mattress made with the highest quality plant-based foam sourced in the U.S. There's a high standard of eco-responsibility. It has a proprietary cooling gel that is designed to expel heat and a cover of plush organic cotton. Now, Sattva's launching this brand, Lumen Leaf, right now at South by Southwest. They partnered up with Annie in their hit show, Bates Motel, which I personally watch. Great show. Annie's Bates Motel is actually open for business. You can stop by and enter your name for a chance to stay the night at the Bates Motel during South by Southwest and for a chance to win a Lumen Leaf mattress. Can you believe it? Like Sattva, Lumen Leaf offers delivery with courtesy installation and takeaway. They'll install your mattress in your room, take away the trash, and even take away your old bed if you want. And you can try their 75-day trial hassle-free. You can follow Lumen Leaf at L-O-O-M-A-N-D-L-E-A-F. That's at Lumen Leaf on Twitter and Facebook to find out more on how to win a memory foam mattress at South by Southwest. Do it, man. Why? Because the father mucker protocol said I'm on I'm on one nostril, but we still making it happen. We still making it happen. We still making it happen. It's going? We're going, baby. It's good. We are good. I'm back on land. I'm back in the BK. I'm back in the States. Back in the city. The city is mine. And here we are. Welcome, man. It's your man, Dean Edwards. Back in the building, baby. Bringing the music right about now. Um, yo, it's good to be back. Welcome y'all back to another episode of the Father Market Protocol. We in the building. Um, yo, it is good to be back in New York City. And it's not frigid out right now. You know, the, the temperature half broken, I think. The worst of it is behind us. Finally to rule. Uh, it's been it's been a cold winter. Uh, want to spend a special shout out to my man Mark Vieira, comedian Mark Vieira, comedian actor, talent that Barriqua Barriqua Rican, the 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 funny man himself, repping the BX to the fullest. Uh, was supposed to be here with us this morning. However, uh, look, that's funny. I just got a text. <laughs> I just got a text from Mark saying. Sorry, brother, I swear I didn't know. Got home late yesterday and my wife was sleeping um, because he didn't know. We were sitting there waiting to uh, start recording. My man, Big Mike, hold on. Shout out to Big Mike on the boards. It's been a while, Mike. How you been, brother? Everything is good, man. Um, I had to get a shout out to Mike, man. He's he's waited patiently. He hasn't hasn't smelt the 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 scent of uh, uh of. Uh, Egyptian musk uh, incense burning in the air. You know, it, it, it's it's popping. It diminished before you got here, but we'll make sure we light up some more. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Vieira, we were waiting for, for him for a little bit. And uh, unfortunately, he sent me a text when I said, 
you know what? I thought he was probably using his GPS to get here. So I called and then I hung up abruptly and texted him saying, hey, man, I know you're probably using GPS, so what's your approximate ETA? And he hits me back. This is my current situation. Kid is home, no school today. I was told this boarded. <laughs> and what's funny about that is because we all, anyone that has a family or a spouse or significant other knows how that goes. And so it's all love, brother. And we look forward to you, uh, hopefully getting you on, not next week, one of these next couple of weeks. Um, and if not, uh, sometime next month, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, I, I'm, I'm on the road yet again. Um, well, actually, by the time y'all hear this last, last weekend, I had to fly to, uh, to Kuwait as Mike shakes his head. Cause when, when I told Mike that I was going to Kuwait, he was like, uh, Kuwait where? I was like, well, it's not Kuwait, Minnesota. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going, going, uh, to entertain the troops again, which should be fun. Going to bring my man, uh, my buddy, Rich Pierre Louis. Rich was uh, gracious enough to step in because Theobald was supposed to go with me, but he got booked. This is how the, this is how the road the road gigs work, man. Now everybody knows um, Harris Harris Stanton is my road dog, and the one of the reasons I always bring Harris is because he's been vetted by by my agents. Um, I know it sounds funny, it sounds crazy, but you know what? Sometimes when you when when you're headlining, the clubs sometimes get funky about booking their own local guys, A, to save money, and B, to, uh, you know, to make sure that they know the person they're, they're putting on is someone they trust with stage time at their club. However, you know, and this is not to make it like I'm some big wig because I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm still not at the point where I can bring my feature all the time, but when I am allowed to bring my feature, and I usually always ask, I, I will bring Harris because he's he's been to a lot of these clubs with me or uh, even colleges with me. And so my agency feels comfortable with him going out to uh, to represent not only me, but also them to an extent. Um, Harris is Harris is, is doing well. You know, he, he goes to his um, his his rehab and uh, his therapy um, a couple of times a week. Uh, I spoke to Artie uh, maybe a month, month and a half ago. He sounded like he was doing a little better. Um, I spoke to Harris, who spoke to uh, Tracy, and I think he and Mark Theobald actually went to see Tracy. So um, the all the fellas and, of course, their, their road manager, Jeff, all of them are, are doing a lot better. We want to thank everyone for their prayers and uh, their continuous support. And now, you know, they're dealing with the uh, legality of it. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, Walmart gets it right and does not drag this out uh, any longer than it needs to be dragged out. You know what? I'm curious. I, you know what? Um, shout out to uh, 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 Malibu Kelly because I'm sure she she's a lawyer. So I, I'm curious. It's actually, I want to talk to like a lawyer. I'll actually be in L.A. Uh, this week. So so. I'm curious to see uh, how she thinks this will uh, turn out, or any any uh, lawyers uh, that I know. Um, so yeah, they're all doing well, and that's why I normally bring Harris. But because Harris is is still um, he's not in a position where he can go on the road yet, um, 
And Thea, I booked Thea Ball. I called my agent, uh, actually, to, actually the promoter, same promoter that I um that I worked with when I did the uh, the formerly known as a, a, a an undisclosed location in Southwest Asia, but now we can say is Aladid Air Force Base. <laughs> uh, right? They they said last time I was there, they were like, "No, you're allowed to say it." Um, so uh, I, I've done I've worked with this this cat a couple of times. Uh, he had myself and DJ Scribble out there for New Year's. And so um, he, he, he actually hit me directly and asked me if I, uh, if I would come out to entertain the troops in Kuwait. And, you know, it being, um, you know, the, the, the veteran in me um, that, that had time in the U- United States Army made me say, you know what, you got to go. You, you have a space in your, your calendar. And, and so... It, there's, it, there's something refreshing. When you see those troops, man, you know, regardless of, of people's political stance or, or, or their ideologies about war and, and soldiers or whatnot, you, you, I respect, honestly, I respect all soldiers worldwide, not just from the uh, U.S., but all soldiers worldwide. Uh, let me add this sort of addendum to that, that are, are uh, defending, standing in defense, you know, because some people say, well, yeah, I, I, yeah. some people say like ISIS are soldiers too, so I, I'm not supporting them. I don't want people like, oh, so you just going to support every soldier, but I support, um, you know, soldiers that are, are, are you know, prepared to uh, protect freedom and, and defend freedom. Um, you know, in whatever capacity. And so, uh, because you know, that we all, we all are standing for something. So, um, I said, you know, let me go ahead. I'm, so I'm going, I had booked Theobald, uh, 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 Zach, the promoter said, you know, you can bring, um, your own feature, which was awesome. He, he gave me free reign. So I knew, uh, Theobald had, had always mentioned to me. Yeah, man. Yeah. I never, uh, I never been over overseas. I'd love to go on one of those trips with you. So I booked Mark, right? This is all happening while I'm on the ship with that horrendous Wi-Fi. So you can imagine how annoyed I was uh, when I when I got the email and then I'm sending emails uh, back and forth and having to wait, you know, a day or two to for the response or what have you because the buffering would stink on this ridiculous satellite Wi-Fi. So uh, a couple weeks after Mark uh, confirmed with me, uh, he hits me and tells me that he can't do it because he got booked with this uh, this cruise line that he's been trying to get on for a while. He, he's been working Carnival, but I think another cruise line that pays a little better um, had an opportunity, so he wants to... And look, I understand. I, 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 was, I was disappointed because I was like, oh, man, now I gotta, now I got to find someone else and I thought about my boy Hugh Moore because Hugh's working in New York right now on uh, on Friends of the People, a boy Jermaine Fowler and uh, Lil Rel's um, sketch show on True TV. I'll check it out. Uh, season two is coming at you, and it looks funny from what I've seen on uh, online from Instagram posts and what have you. But um, instead, I said, you know what? Let me reach out to my boy Rich Pierre Louis, one of one of my best bestest buddies, closest friends, and confidants. He's been doing this long enough. And uh, and I know Rich has been wanting to get on the road for a while. He hasn't been on the road. So um, you you all will probably hear Rich 
on the next uh, podcast I'll do remotely while we're in Kuwait. Um, which, uh, see what I'm doing? I'm bouncing around chronologically because uh, I mentioned this is is this will come out next week, which is actually now while you're listening to it. But this took place last week, and I haven't interviewed Rich yet, but that will air next week. And by the time you'll hear this, I will have interviewed. You see, so so I'm playing with your flux capacitor right now. <laughs> and I'm so dumb. Uh, so so I, uh, I booked Rich, and Rich Rich was uh, extremely excited. So uh, he's actually, and one of the main reasons I, I wasn't able to book him initially and, and why I, uh, Booked him. One of the reasons I didn't book him because he was like, "Well, why me?" Which, which, which for me kind of caught me off guard. I was like, "Never worry about why. You just be happy it is you, right?" But I also understand his 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 perspective because he's like, "Well, you always bring Harris," but I'm like, "Well, you know, Harris can't can't work right now." And I told him, and you know, being honest because we're all friends, I told him, I said, "You know, Mark was booked, but he had to cancel." And and I thought about you initially as well. But you're coming in from L.A., whereas Mark was based in New York. And so I knew it would be easier for them just to fly us both from New York. I checked with my agency and they said, you know what, we'll check with the promoter. Promoter said it's fine flying in from L.A. So boom, so Rich is on. And by the time you hear this, we'll have had some uh, uh, amazing uh, times and amazing sets out in uh, out in Kuwait. Uh, so yeah, that's, that should be fun. I, I also want to send a special shout out to, uh, to all things comedy, our network. Make sure y'all, uh, check, check out allthingscomedy.com for, for some of the freshest and brightest comedic minds in the game, man. Actually, y'all also can, uh, keep an eye out. A friend of mine, good, good friend of mine, uh, Kira Soltanovich. uh, Kira Soltanovich. she's, um, she's a comic that I met her, we toured uh, Cape Town, South Africa together. We spent three weeks together. And then actually uh, uh, another week in uh, Durban, South Africa with the with the zany and crazy Bobby Lee. Uh, and, and when you spend that much time in the trenches with someone, you're in the foxhole with someone that long, y'all, y'all bond. You know, the same way you've heard me talk about Ahmed Ahmed and uh, my buddy Angelo Sarukis. Um, you know, Kira was out there with us and Kira is actually new to the all things comedy roster and she has a podcast, which I'm actually going to be doing, um, in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm trying to find the name of the, I'm trying to find the name of the podcast right now. Uh, as I, because her producer just hit me up and asked me her name. Okay. Leslie hit me. Leslie, Leslie Hidalgo. And uh, what's what's the name of her podcast? Damn it! The, oh, it's called the Kira Sultanovich Show podcast. Duh! <laughs> so y'all make sure you go check out the Kira Sultanovich Bush, the Kira Sultanovich Show podcast, um, and keep an eye out for me in the next, probably in the next week or two. I think I'm uh, recording that the second to last week of the month while I'm in LA in the lovely All Things Comedy Studios, which I'm looking forward to uh, seeing. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe uh, while I'm out there, they'll be able to uh, give me some time to record maybe one episode or two episodes while I'm out there because I have a couple of buddies I want to uh, 
interview uh, maybe my buddy Ian Edwards. You can check out his Sonic, his Sonic, his Sonic. Can we rewind that? Yes. Uh, check out Ian Edwards on the soccer comic rant. My man, Dean Del Rey, uh, Let There Be Talk. Uh, oh, and you know what? Um, this is not all things comedy yet, right? But you see what I did right there? Because because uh, I believe in in uh, promoting and, and creating synergy and and making opportunities happen and, and introducing people. Uh, I I am um, giving a special shout out to my brothers uh, Owen Smith and Ali Leroy um, because they have a, a podcast that I actually actually my family listens to, which isn't necessarily a good thing because. Sometimes they 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 get raw. Damn, Owen and, and Ali, could y'all stop? Could y'all warn a brother when y'all about to curse? The kid's in the car. But um, they they have a, a podcast called Alias Smith and Leroy, which um, Owen just, uh, you know, t- spoke to me and, and told me that he has interest in uh, getting down with all things comedy. So I hope I, hope I can help facilitate uh, Magical and Burr um, possibly, you know, utilizing, uh, you know, alias Smith and Leroy and uh, introducing them to the uh, all things comedy roster and, and, and placing them on there. Um, I'm all about us all growing and building, man. Because um, I, I, I think this show is funny and and also informative and enlightening. And and as as are all of the uh, cats that uh, I just shouted out, I, I actually do download and listen to a lot of these cats when I'm uh when I'm when I'm on the road, you know, uh, and and it's funny because if you, if you told me two years ago, yeah, Dean, so uh, there's this thing, it's a podcast, and you just download it and just listen to them, and I'm like, I don't want to sit and listen to dudes I know, but I actually, honestly, I do like listening to because because it makes you almost feel like you're you're connected, you know. I spoke on um on recent episodes, um. About being, so I think last week's episode with with uh with Landry, comedian uh, Landry. His name is Landry, by the way. It's I say comedian Landry because that's his website, but his name is Landry, um, which is his last name. He goes by, but that's his stage name. Uh, Landry and I, we were we were talking about you know being gone, especially uh, overseas or at sea. You feel you feel disconnected, man. You feel disconnected from whatever. News is uh or current events are are popping off. You know, I miss the whole. What color is this dress? Is it is it uh gold and white or blue and black? Which is weird. Um, and and I'm probably glad I missed it. Uh, however, you do like sort of being part of the 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 conversation and and, and knowing what what's uh what's going on in in the in the world. So um. I, I listen to a lot of these uh, cats podcasts while while I'm away, like you know, as I'm flying out to Kuwait tonight, which actually happened last week. By the time y'all listen to it, <laughs> um, you know, I, I know I'm probably listening to um, you know the rest of um, the the Alias Smith and Leroy with Tashina Arnold. They they you know what to, to give background too, like uh, Ali was a showrunner on uh Everybody Hates Chris and Are We There Yet the TV series and he he um won a couple of Emmys with Chris Rock on the Chris Rock show and eight Cable Ace Awards, the Chris Rock show. And Owen Smith, also a talented uh stand-up comic slash actor. You've seen it in a bunch of uh bunch of commercials. 
um, as well as being the voice of of one of the the I think the blue pill in the Beats for Dre uh, pill speaker commercials. Um, and and you see he has numerous uh, you know acting credits as well on television. And I think he's shooting a new movie. So um, you know they they have access to a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of cat cats or pe- industry people that. Uh, you know, you don't see necessarily getting burned or getting light or getting attention um, in mainstream media. Uh, people like Tashina Arnold uh, or or uh, Gina Gina uh, Prince Bythewood, uh, who who um, I'm most familiar with from um, from Love and Basketball. But she just had a, a movie that I heard is is awesome called Beyond the Lights. Her husband, her husband Reggie Rock Bythewood, he he was an integral part to uh, um, uh, New York Undercover, and he has a bunch of like his 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 credit lists run long and deep, and he has more current projects which are slipping my mind right now. I'm trying to think who else have they had? Russell Simmons, you know, uh, uh, Debbie Allen, which which is iconic, you know, Sinbad. Of course, they they interviewed me. I did a couple of episodes. And uh, you know who was a good interview? I just listened to a Ch- Ch- Chi Modu. He was a, a hip hop journalist that I remember his name from. Um, I remember his name from reading the Source magazine and Vibe magazine, a bunch of magazines back in the day. And there were there were a bunch of um, uh, journalists, quote unquote, hip hop journalists that you remember that if you read any of the. Um, Mags back in and and he's a photographer, yeah, photojournalist as well. Um, these are cats that that you know we we grew up on. John Modu, uh, 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 damn, ah, but Danielle Smith, uh, uh, something so Kim Osario. I remember all these names from because I was such a hip hop head. I read all these magazines and and so anyway, I'm plugging enough plugging their show. Um, oh, and check out uh, the manager. Uh, check out Barry Katz's The Industry Standard, which is, I, I feel like I'm giving a lot of information on my show, um, on my podcast, from the artist's perspective uh, and from the trenches of, of actually being a, a, an actor, comedian, stand-up, uh, you know. Keep in mind that I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my ish. Uh-huh. But um, this is uh, uh, Barry Katz has this 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 uh awesome podcast called the uh the industry standard man, and and he just told me yesterday that he uh he interviewed Norman Lear for like two hours. They dude like like hey hold up let me let me they let <laughs> yo let me tell you something. This was funny. Mike just Mike just did a. What is actually a joke about I have where I say, you know what? Well, Mike just said, wait, he's still alive? <laughs> yes, Norman Lear is still alive. How old is he? He's 92. And, uh, and, and Norman Lear, for those that don't know, he created like the Jeffersons and All in the Family, Sanford and Son, Good Times. I mean, he was, you know, Norman Lear was like the Chuck Lorre of his era. You know, Chuck Lorre is the showrunner and creator of, of, of shows like uh, Two and a Half Men and uh, what's the nerd one? Big Bang Theory, uh, Mike and Molly. Like, he he pretty much writes and runs 
the comedy blocks on uh, on CBS. And Norman Lear, who I also, was that? Well, no, I think he had things across all, all but I know CBS had, I think, On the Family and the uh, and the Jeffersons, you know. And, you know, this dude's an, an industry icon. And so um, what I like about Barry Ketch's uh, industry standard, man, is that he gets uh, he gets the insight uh, about the the actual players, the people that are that are that are helping us creative people get opportunities and making it happen, man, and um, and some of everyone. I mean, he had George Shapiro, uh, you who's a you know um, I think Seinfeld's manager, you know, just a, a gang gang of cats, man, and uh, um, so it's just it's interesting. And y'all check it out. I, I've just spent the last you know, almost five, ten minutes. This is the Father Muckin' promotional episode, right? Okay. But, I, but I, you know, I, I give credit, and and uh, I feel like this. I shine, you shine, we shine. Uh, and, and shout out to uh, Jordan Heads BKNY, Jordan Heads Brooklyn. That's my man Calvin Fowler's uh, Jordan spot, uh, Jordan boutique spot in Brooklyn. Because, uh, and the re- I'm going to show you how my mind works. Um the line I was just saying, I shine, you shine. That's uh, that's from an old Smith and Wesson, this rap group from uh, from back in the days. Smith and Wesson had had that I shine, you shine, and they're actually uh, doing an in in store appearance um and performance at uh Calvin Spot and Jordan Head. So y'all go online and check check out clips from that. Uh, what do I want to talk about since Mark isn't here? Well, because I had a whole listen, I I've been wanting to have Mark on because. He's one of, out of all the people I've, I've spent time with on the ship, Mark and I just, you know, we click, man. And we know each other from, from New York, from the circuit, uh, from doing shows. But it, it's, it's dope when you just lock and load with someone and y'all have the same, you know what I mean? Have the same energy, the same vibe. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to getting the brother uh, in here. But um, if, if, if you can't tell, um, and if any of you... Um, you know, follow me um, on Instagram and Twitter. I think last week I posted something. Uh, I, I had to uh, go and record, um, you know, this voiceover work. You know, people know that I, I do voiceover. And it's funny because people always ask me, um, you know, how how I got into it, how I got on. Um and I, 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 look, even Mike is like, yo, how did you, how did you, how did you get in? Um, so... Here's because you know what what else is funny? I get a lot of emails. And for all those out there, I want y'all to know I apologize if you email me, especially on Facebook, because I don't get those emails sometimes for weeks, man. Because I um, you know, ever since Facebook changed to the 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 what was that the messenger app? And you need to download it. And once you download it, then everyone, you suddenly have every, all 5,000 plus people that follow you. I have their pictures in, in my phone. I don't want that, right? So, no, nah, because then suddenly you're scrolling down. You're like, I don't know who these people are. Who's this? Uh, and worse, you you have like your, your wife, like, who's that guy? I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know who. I didn't put a num- number in. It is like, but it's not, it just comes up, you know? So, um. But I I've I know I know I've received a couple of emails from people asking uh you know about um you know voiceover work how'd you how'd you get in and how or how'd you get in or how'd you get on 
And I'm going to be honest, man, I still don't know how I got it. Like, look, I have one. This is from someone who I worked on uh, the cruise ships with. She's an actress uh, slash, I guess, singer, dancer. Um, she hit me and put this on Instagram. She's like, hey, do you know of any voiceover studios or agencies for work in New York City? It's time to get the ball rolling, blah, blah, blah. Because um, everyone asks why you're not doing voiceover gigs. Because she does have a very specific pitch to her um, to her instrument. And what I can say is um, I have no idea. No, I'm just playing. Um, like for me, and I've, I've, uh, I've hit on this before, because... Being part of SNL, you know, it's crazy. It feels like things always go back to as much as I get away, they keep pulling me back in. But it was such a big opportunity and still opened so many doors, uh, having been part of the uh, SNL history. That uh, uh, big shout out to Joseph Vesey. Uh, you know, it just popped in mind. We shouted everyone else and check out the callback uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, we ain't forget you, Vessie, even though you forgot about us. Because um, Vessie never comes back. Um, so, yeah, you know what? The, the, the SNL uh, uh, sort of badge or, or, or seal of approval, it, it fast-tracked me into getting opportunities. And uh, I think because I was someone or I am someone that... Uh, that always utilized and modulated and bent and twisted their voice anyway. So I do voices and my voice goes from very low to very high. You know, um, once I was on the show and they were using me to do a, a variety of different characters or impressions when I was getting burned, um, I then, I think, wound up... Uh, you know, I don't think I was with Paradigm Agency at the time. And I don't think Paradigm had a specific voiceover department. So to break it down for for um anyone that doesn't understand uh the the different types of agents that you can have, right? Um you can have a you can have what's called a legit agent, which um sends you out for television and film roles. You can have uh, a theatrical agent, which uh, might deal with stage, but also can deal with television and film as well. You can have um, a literary literary agent, which helps you, um, you know, sell projects or get your your projects seen and published, so that you can get writing jobs. You can have a personal appearance or public appearance agent that is going to book you uh, on gigs where you're going and you're, you're performing live or you're hosting something live or uh, anything where you're going out to the people as opposed to them uh, coming. Or they might, they might even come to you, but that's someone that's going to book you out and about as opposed to something that's recorded. Um, uh, I think... That there might be a couple. Oh, and then there's a void. The main one I was I'm addressing. Then you have a voiceover agency, uh, which books you or sends you out to audition and or to book voiceover gigs. Voiceover gigs come in a variety of uh, different um, uh, mediums, 
You you can uh, do voiceover work uh, for radio. Uh, you can do voiceover work for television. You can do voiceover work for radio commercials. You can voiceover work for television commercials. You can do voiceover work for video games. Video games in the last decade have blown up. I don't know if y'all y'all realize how much money is made. Like the film industry almost bows down to the gaming industry because y'all think about think about this. Like uh, like if you you take like a, a game I I enjoyed uh, the God of War series, right? God of War produced um, exclusively for PlayStation, never was uh, offered on Xbox, right? So God of War, a game which when you buy it the first day, right? The first couple of months, right? It might cost probably closer to $60, but but let's just say for for uh for mathematical purposes, we'll just say it or an average it's gonna cost fifty dollars per per unit, right? So they said they sell so, and, and a game like that sells, I mean, sells millions, millions of, of units. So let's say the, uh, a, a game like Game of War sells, f- let's say, uh, 4 million unit, 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 units? Say it sells 4 million units, right? Times $50 a pop versus a movie that's, that's that's uh let's say let's say let's say fifteen dollars a ticket, right? Okay, that's true. That's true. Mike is saying that's in New York. Okay, so let's say so first. Let's finish finish the math. So fifty dollars a ticket times what? What did we say? Two million. We said two million uh units, right? So that right there is a hundred million made in the first. Say that's in a month, but we know is we know the numbers are higher. In a month, a video game made $100 million, right? Versus a movie that uh, was in, say, 3,000 theaters, um, and they charged $10 a pop. We're averaging nationwide because New York City is more expensive, but then you might go to Toledo where it's, it's a lot cheaper. So say that movie, they make in, in a month, they might only make... Uh, you know, 60 to 80 million, right? <laughs> and the video games, their overhead now, video games cost a lot, but they don't have the same overhead. You know, they're not, that because a lot of people, I've, I've had this conversation, uh, so, you know, Harris uh, is into video games. Harris Stanton's into video games a lot. And um, he he's actually the one that uh, made me sort of research it. And I realized, he was like, yo, he was like, Yo, a lot. You don't you don't know that dude from Star Wars: Force Unleashed, and the actor that plays the lead in uh, Star Wars: Force Unleashed. You've seen him in a bunch of TV and film projects, but he's the lead, so he might only be the fourth or fifth uh, featured lead on a on a uh, on a you know uh, procedural procedural drama on television. But he's the star of this video game in the face of this video game that has how many uh, three or four different uh, spinoffs, you know. So a lot of actors are now clamoring for work. How many times, uh, you know how many times I've sat and listened? I'm like, wait, that's Captain Picard's voice. <laughs> you know, that's 
That's uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Captain Captain Picard. Uh, uh, uh Professor X. Kevin Spacey does a lot of uh voiceover work, man. I'm I'm gonna be mad until I think of Captain Picard's name. You know that's gonna bug me, and you'll just hear me. Uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Patrick Stewart. Uh, sorry, it took a moment, but it's here. And and for some reason, now he also sounds like Sean Connery. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of cats. I remember, I remember years ago, man. This is good eleven years, at least a decade, maybe eleven years ago. I'm gonna say 10, 11 years. And they had booked me for it wasn't it wasn't Grand Theft Auto, but I had booked uh work to be in a video game. And the the pay was actually decent, but it was also I it's funny because in retrospect, I'm like, you know what, I should have just passed on the on the road gig, but I was I think it was like my first time doing the Miami improv. And so I had been looking forward to getting down there and doing it. And I wanted to make my mark and I figured that would actually open doors to me doing other uh improv gigs. And the improvs have have, you know, kept a brother working um, you know, for years. So I appreciate that. Um, but it would have been, a, I, I just, honestly, I booked the voiceover gig, but they also were like, we're going to need you to, uh, wear the, the, this bodysuit with the motion capture balls on it. Right. And so they were going, I was going to actually be in a video game. I, son, I wanted to be in it just to have, that's like, to me, you know, and people have known for years, like, I think it's awesome to be animated. But to be video gameized uh, is is even next level, man. That's just that's that's because that's that's another version of recorded history that not everyone is uh is is privy to or being part to. So uh, so back to my original point. So the 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 world of voiceover um is the reason it's hard to break into. I think is because no one really knows exactly everyone's road. Just like with entertainment, anything else in entertainment. It, it's there's no sure shot way to uh, just walk in. Like you know, people always say, "You think I should I should send my reel or my voiceover reel to a voiceover agent?" Not necessarily, because you wonder, do they really listen? Here's here's what you have to understand. Any because because I've had people uh, ask me, and I always feel like when I'm hot, I'll introduce. As many people, and when when I'm hot, I'm a I'm a pull the door open and like, yo, come on, y'all run through, right? Come on, they they letting us in, let's go, right? And when you're when you're making your your agency money, because here's the thing that that artists forget, and this this is something uh, the the market the further market protocol y'all have to understand is you all work together, but ultimately they work for you. You know what I mean? Your your agency, you are one of their clients. However, they are there to service your needs. Your your management, they 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 are there to service your needs. Once again, you work as a team, you work in tandem, you know, but but ultimately they work for you. And 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 uh, you know, I think artists uh sometimes we we're so used to not having any opportunity and not having anyone represent us that we forget that and we we lose sight of that and we uh we we don't remember that that is our 
our power. You know, the same way as a comic, I'm like, you you'll hear me say, you know, we don't have um we don't have a lot of power in the industry, but we get to choose where and when we perform and uh, you know, purge ourselves and put ourselves on, on stage, you know. Um and so the same same is true with representation. Yeah, I remember um I remember my my first uh real manager um was taking uh you know when we signed on together it was fifteen percent. Um then he took fifteen percent. Fifteen percent off off the gross, not the net. They took fifteen percent off the gross, which is usually how it works, right? Uh so fifteen percent off the gross. And uh I got SNL. Um so, and and the year before SNL, I was doing college gigs, and my college agent, that, that's another agent right there. There's another, there's another agent because at the time I didn't have one of the quote unquote big six agencies representing me. So I had a specific college agent, whereas now I have a, have a PA, which is a, a personal appearance agency that also um, will book colleges or get college gigs for me. Whereas back then, I didn't have a big agency representing me, so I needed a specific college booking agency. Just like there are also corporate booking agencies that will book you uh, if you are a, a public speaker and and you, um, you know, what's, what's the guy's name? Tony Robbins? Rob, motivational speaker? Is his name Tony Robbins? Robbins. Tony Robbins is a... I'm thinking Tony Roberts, who's a funny uh, comic on tour with uh, Nephew Tommy right now. Um, I'm shouting everybody out on the show, but I want to get people's name right. But Tony Robbins is a motivational speaker. And at some point, but at this point, he probably, if he has a, uh, a PA, I, I'd be surprised. Well, here's the thing. Once you get to a certain level, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of cats don't have, some people just have a lawyer, you know, some people, because after a certain level, you, you are the brand. So you don't necessarily need, all you need to do is field, um, have someone to field your calls, having someone that's assistant and maybe send, send things to, you know, Tom Hoberman or whomever, whoever your, your, your lawyer is. I'm not, I'm not at that position right now. So I, I want as many people stomping their feet for me and for, for all things Dean Edwards. Um, but back then I had, uh, I had a college agent, which I actually had first, and then I got down with my my actual management. And Matt, the the agreement was, you know what, I'm gonna get down with you. You're gonna help us move our career to the proverbial next level. Don't you hate when people say that? We gotta take it to that next level, a whole whole nother level. It's just another level, people, not a whole nother. Um, so so with that agreement, I agreed and said, you know what. I'm going to give you 15% of everything, and that will include the colleges, which I've already been booking. So now I'm doing colleges, and instead of just taking 10% off the gross, I'm taking 25% off the gross, right? So when I got SNL, um, I wound up with, a, with, a, with, um, with an agent. Uh, I had a commercial agent, right? Give it the, I'm going to rewind it on y'all a little bit more, right? So boom. So I uh, got with Steinberg, Steinberg Talent. Shout out to Jason Steinberg and uh, Evan, his brother. You know, they, they helped us a lot in uh, the, the um, early stages of our career. 
and we are forever appreciative. Um, you'll never hear me say anything bad about anyone that uh, rep me because it's all part of the uh, puzzle. So, uh, Jason, um, I, I had, I was with Neon Entertainment. I'm dropping all the names, right? And all these companies are still, still around. As a matter of fact, Neon Entertainment. Back in the days, my uh, a buddy of mine that he was a comic when I first started. He was like the uh, the biggest name uh, and the biggest fella. He was a big dude. God bless him, uh, Tiny Glover. I know so many comedians that have died, man. It's sad when you think about it. But they, a lot of them were overweight and tiny. I, anytime there's a black dude named Tiny, you know he was big, right? So Tiny, uh, Tiny called me up. This is probably, I'm going to say, 97, 98. I had previously been sort of freelancing with this, uh, with this cat, Jeff Carroll, at a uh, Red, Black, and Green promotions out of Jersey. And, and Jeff booked a lot of colleges. He would book a lot of black uh, student union uh, functions. So, Jeff, um, I, I did my first NACA, which was a National Association of Campus Activities, I believe, right? And uh, NACA, you'd go, and I probably discussed this in previous episodes, but NACA, you go and you showcase, and uh, it's almost like a, an, an, an auction where they, they check out different talent, musicians, singers, actors, uh, well, musicians, singers, comedians, um, uh, jugglers, magicians, everything, and then you get booked at these colleges, right? So I freelance with Jeff for a while. Tiny calls me. He's like, yo, my my uh, this cat I work with, Scott Tallarico at uh, Neon Entertainment out of Buffalo, he, uh, he, he's, he said he's, he really wishes he could find a, 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 a young African-American that uh, is clean. He he knows a bunch of uh, black cats, but he doesn't have anyone that's clean. I was like, boom, that's my boy Dean Edwards. Put me down with Scott. Scott and I politic. I said, all right, I'll work with you. Give you 10%. That's that's how much. Was he getting 10%? Scott actually might have been getting 15% at the time, right? Was he? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I Let me, I stand corrected. Scott was getting 15%. Neon was getting 15% of the colleges. Um, But here's the thing. Huh? Well, watch. Well, no, no. But this is before I had had a manager. So I'm giving him 15%. And back then, you know, the gigs were what they were. Like when you first when you first break in the NACA, you might maybe make a G per show. And then if you go and showcase uh, at like a national showcase, maybe they can get he they'll what they do. They'll play with the numbers. So let's say, OK, if he books one school in an area, he'll get fifteen hundred plus travel. If he books three schools in the area, he'll get 1300 uh, and uh, plus travel. But the, but the, what happens is, and then if he books five schools in the area, he'll get 1100 per school uh, and, and no travel because they figure if you're doing five schools, you're getting $5,500, you can book your own travel, which always sucked because Comics though, nobody has money they're sitting sitting on that they they can just wait wait on. So that's where you had that one credit card, and you always son. I remember, <laughs> I remember I had uh, I think it was a Capital One, it was gold, and eventually went platinum, and, and it was a Capital One, and I would I would uh, rent cars and buy flights, and then as soon and you know what they hated me because they never made any money off me. At the time, because as soon as I got a check, I would automatically pay the money 
that I just charged on the card because I needed the card the next week. Yeah, I needed the card the next week in order to go go back on the road, right? So then after working with Scott, and, and I wound up booking like 70, 80 colleges, right? I, I booked the gang of colleges uh, with, with I, was, I was hot at the National uh, Showcase. Uh, and then I wound up getting with Steinberg, and Steinberg took 10%. He took 15% of everything else, but it was 10% off the schools. Because I, I think I even said, I said, man, I can't give up 30%. He was like, all right, so we'll do 10% since you already were with him. But normally I take 15%. I'm with, with him, I get SNL. Uh, oh, rewind. Once, once I had done all the colleges, I had actually burnt out, uh, had a slight, uh, uh, not a breakdown, but just my body broke down, man. I, was, I, was, uh, I just was telling somebody this uh, 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 Ty Barnett, a funny comic, because I had a I had a heckler in the audience uh, at the comic strip uh, a couple weekends ago. Once I got back to town, and I had great shows all night, and then this one lady, I was and I had a great show at the strip. Right, make sure I get back to what I was saying. I, I had a great show at the strip. I'm killing. This was my second show that night, uh, or second show at the strip that night. This was like my fourth or fifth show, and I'm on stage. If I had a 20-minute set, I'm at minute number 17, right? I decided, oh, you know what? Um, this is a nice mixed crowd. So I was doing like Jay-Z and the Beyonce. I did the Beyonce bit. I, I, I you know, talked about uh, how I love women with curves. I did the uh, the uh, stallion bit where, <laughs> you know, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and then after that, I see this woman. She's like, you know what I mean? I said, huh? I said, excuse me? She's like, she's like, you don't know anything about women. I said, you got to say that again, louder, sweetie. I, don't, I didn't know. She's like, you don't know anything about women. I said, okay. I said, elaborate. You don't know anything about women. I said, we, we covered that already. Uh, can you elaborate? And, and But here's what's funny. I foresaw exactly what she was deciding she was going to be pissed about 17 minutes into the set. Right. So ultimately, she was tight. I'm guessing. And she's saying, I don't know anything about women because she was like, you know, what? you don't know anything about women. You sit here and talking about women. I said, you know, I think it's funny. You know, it was dope. I was hitting her in the head. And it was so, so, there's nothing better than shutting a, a heckler down while, you know, uh, you know, showing some some uh, articulation and intelligence in it and not just, you know, cussing her out. And so I was like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that I've been on stage almost 20 minutes and you've decided that's what you wanted to uh, choose to be offended about. You didn't get offended that I, uh, that I spoke about Africans uh, you didn't get offended that I spoke about uh, Caucasians or uh, interracial couples. Like, there were so many things that you could have gotten offended about. And there are people in here representing those different demographics that rolled with it and knew I wasn't sp specifically uh, bashing any one uh, group or any in specific individual. Um and so, so I was in her head with that, and and she 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 started feeling stupid. I felt. Then I said to do she was with. Her. I said, dude, you know what? And and I feel bad for you because you didn't come out for this, right? 
I said, I started, because I, I had to start, I didn't have to start clowning him, but I did have to start I, but I, But I was, you, you addressed the elephant in the room, which is, uh, uh, was awesome uh, name. Check out Patrice O'Neill's um, DVD, uh, Elephant in the Room. Very funny. Uh, we miss you, Big Papa. Uh, and so then I said, you know, you didn't come out for this, uh, but you're going to leave with this, you know? <laughs> And uh, and shut it down. And then I had the the crowd cuss her out. Right, the crowd cussed out. She sat there quietly. Her her physical demeanor slumped down. She changed. I was like, she was she was oh she was Latina. She was Latina. She was like, I'm a Latina. I said, you know what? Because I haven't bashed it. I have. I, if anything, she was like, no, you sit here and you try to tell us what we should like in woman. And I'm a Latina, and I'm here to say that. You should like all bodies. I said, that's what I'm saying. I said, I'm actually praising women for their curves instead of the standards uh, that, that uh, you know, the entertainment media would, would have you believe is the standard of beauty. And, and, but instead, you're letting your drunk mind overwhelm. Yeah, you, oh, dude, she was twisted. By by the end by the end of the night, her boyfriend, uh, her boyfriend who actually uh, after my set came out and apologized uh, to me on his way to the restroom, and I even told him I said, "Hey man, you know, I'm sorry that you had to be part of that." He was like, "No, she's I I, I I'm so annoyed. And I'm I'm so sorry that that happened and blah blah blah." So he, which I appreciated, he apologized, uh, and then after the show, and this this is what kind of bugged me, right? Because I. After the show, nothing worse than a hero, right? Nothing worse than a than a than a misguided hero, right? Um, because I'm, uh, and I I think I even said this on stage. I said, uh, I said, you know what? This the sad part is, uh, you know what? If this was just me and her having this conversation, and none of you were here, I would be looked at as the bad guy because I'm this big black guy that. Is talking. I said, you know, I said, my voice has not, the modulation of my voice has not gone up here. I've kept the same even tone where she's been yelling. I said, but because I'm physically larger than her, I now have to retreat into myself. Um, uh, uh, under normal circumstances, I would have to retreat into myself and make sure I don't go, get louder because then I'm the intimidating factor in this whole situation even though I'm at work doing my job that you all paid to see, right? So that being said, after the show, uh, I, I hadn't eaten dinner all night. It's, it's probably like midnight. Uh, uh, they ordered two boots for me because the club orders two boots. They send the two boots. I'm eating it, uh, you know, out in the lounge area near the bar. People are walking by giving me pounds. Hey, great job, man. Good. She, she needs to shut the hell up. I'm glad you had us all curse her out. And it was dope. Like everybody, because I said at the count of three, everybody say, shut the F up. And uh, and, and they they were already, I was like, oh, y'all are practicing before I even did the countdown. So then they did it. And, and then I said, good night. And did, uh, you know, thunderous applause. So uh, everyone's walking out giving dab. Um, my man left prior to the show ending because she was that pissy drunk and to where he had to sort of lean her against the wall because she dropped her purse and, and prop her up against the wall with his arm while he s squatted down to reach her purse. She was that drunk, right? Uh, so as they're leaving, this uh, this woman uh, comes up 
and she says to me, and and I'm going, and she was a she was an older white woman, and which 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 was interesting, uh, and and there's reason I mention it because um everyone else took a different position, obviously, from from their uh, dap and their praise. She she comes up to me and she says, "You didn't have to, you didn't have to uh, do that to her, though." I said, what, 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 "Pardon me." She's like, "No, you. Well, you know what? You didn't. You didn't have to. You didn't have to embarrass her." I said, "I didn't." I said, "She she did that to herself. She embarrassed herself. She she decided to open her mouth at a comedy show um, that people paid money for." to see myself and uh, the five other people that were on stage. Yeah, no, but she was, well, what, what did she, now this, this amazed me. She didn't know what was even said, right? She says, well, what did she say to you? Because uh, I said, I said, oh, you didn't, you were sitting right behind her. She's like, no, because her voice was going forward. I was sitting behind her. I said, okay. And Mike nods because he's a sound guy. So, you know, so uh, I said, oh, she said, and I thought she would have heard because she said, we said it like Five times, I said. She said, um, "You don't know anything about women," and she, and and then the woman says, "Yeah, but you know what? She just that she what she was trying to say was, you you don't know anything about women because you're sitting here talking." I said, "Well, two things. Number one, I love the fact that you know what she was going to say." I said, "I kind of, uh, you know, ascertained that that's what she was." what her mind wanted to say, but her drunken tongue got in the way. And that's not what she said. And regardless of if that, that's what she felt, that wasn't the place for it because this was not an open community forum. This was a comedy club, right? Yeah, it's not a forum. You know, that's, that's the stand-up, stand-up comedy is the only, and now my voice is getting loud. Right, no, I'm just playing. People think it's a town hall meeting because honestly, part of the... Part of the, um, I think, mystique of of a stand-up comic and the allure and also the talent involved is you're making your 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 act, and it is an act, regardless of if you're someone that goes on stage and talks about the audience uh, a la Don Rickles or, or uh, uh, D.L. Hughley or even Lisa Lampanelli. Um, people that use a good amount of the, uh, even uh, uh, R- Russell Peters does a lot of crowd uh, crowd work where he's talking to the crowd, but that still is an act that's been polished thousands of tens of thousands of times on numerous stages, worldwide, countrywide, what have you, and so it's a performance. It's something that they've done before. Even if the individuals are new, they've they've done some variation of what they're doing on that particular moment uh, in that organic moment, right? So part of our trick, part of our gift is making it seem so conversational that it looks like you're doing it for the first time. Y'all have heard me say numerous times on the show that part of me gets sick of doing, uh, you know, whether it's Denzel Washington and Jay-Z Tracy Morgan or Tracy's a little more fun because I get to go anywhere with it, you know? Um, But because the reason you get tired of doing the bits is because you, as the artistic part of you, wants to grow and do different things. And and so the same way Prince doesn't want to necessarily sing Let's Go Crazy or when you go to see him in concert, 
he might do uh, uh, a more melodic, more ballad-esque uh, version of Let's Go Crazy. You know, he'll do it where he's crooning, Let's go crazy, let's get nuts. Looking for that purple banana. You know, whatever. People change the arrangement because it it, it makes them feel, what'd you say? It, they get tired of uh, doing the same old thing. But I also understand, I, I say, part of me gets sick of doing it. There's part of me that loves doing it because I love the fact that there's something that uh, people tell their friends uh, about that I do that they feel is unique enough to tell their friends, yo, you got to come check out this dude, Dean Edwards, man. This dude is funny and he does this Illmatic Denzel impression. And people are yelling it out during the show if if they don't see it soon enough. Um, so I don't I don't mind that, but I also know that if you go to see a streetcar named Desire, when when you hear Stanley yell, Stella, you're not gonna yell out, yo, that yo, don't that bit, dirty bit, you know. Yo, that's my dude, Stanley, do the Stella part, son, you know. There's a certain decorum that people come to when they go to a Broadway show or when people go to a movie, even if it's, you know, people feel like in, in ethnic neighborhoods, uh, we're louder. Yeah, we are, but you still can watch the movie. Uh, well, that's the difference. At, at a Broadway show, if you heckle, they, they will throw you out, right? Comedy show, yeah, in theory, they might, might uh, attempt to throw you out. I've had people... Uh, management and, and and bouncers from the club go to eject someone. I'm like, no, nah, you know what? Let them chill, but just let them know that that's enough. And this is after I, I don't want. They're still now mad because oftentimes people will get mad that they lost, and now they're gonna be keep keep going. I'm like, well, nah, now you're just being a jackass. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, so, oh, so the lady's going back and forth with me about what this other woman, who she doesn't even know, right, as far as I, I, I can tell, she's not with her. She wasn't with her party, and she just decided she wanted to be the hero to stand up for the woman that opened her mouth in the middle of the show. And I actually mentally said to myself, I'm not yielding to this lady because she wants me to say, you know what, you're right. No, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, wrong for 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 saying anything. And eventually, I said, "Well, no, she did it to herself." You know what? Um, maybe next time she comes to the comedy show, she'll just enjoy what's happening on stage instead of uh, getting all in her feelings and deciding that she personally wanted to stand up for women's rights that weren't violated in any way while I was on stage. And it's funny because after she and then and she she and even her her I don't know if that was her husband, her boyfriend, her man. He even was like, eh, "No, honey, she she should have just shut up," you know. And 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 I know he probably had to deal with it on the way home. But you know, I looked I looked at him. Then I looked at her. And I was like, "He has a good point," and I'm I'm going to stick with my point. And she was like, "Yeah, I, okay, I guess you're right. You know, I'm right. So why'd you come up deciding to be?" Uh, the 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 heroine to to save some woman a that didn't need saving from me needed saving from herself. Yeah, but did you have to go so hard? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, you know what metaphor I used? I used the metaphor. I said, "Listen," I said, "Um, as as a comic, 
we always are on stage prepared for hecklers. So when they open their mouth the first time, I raise up my shirt and I show them that there's a pistol there, right? <laughs> right? This is like the old West, right? There's a pistol there and I'm kind of quick on the shot, right? Um, but then I lower the shirt and let them know, listen, we're going we to keep this on, mosey on down here, ma'am. But uh, you did see that six shooter in there, and I got a bullet in there for anybody else that wants to open their mouth. And you got a pretty one, too. No. So, so uh, uh, what, what was the movie with Kurt Russell, the, 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 the Western and Val Kilmer? I just finally saw that. Uh, uh, um, Tombstone, I just saw that on the ship. That's a good movie, man. Uh, <laughs> that was a good Val Kilmer was dope in that movie, son. I liked the day. Anyway, so um, y'all know how I go on tangents. Didn't you miss me? Be honest. Be honest. Y'all missed it. You know you missed it. I, I missed it. I, I love. I love sitting here right now. It's been so long. I need to go get a haircut. Uh, because I got to go to Kuwait tonight, so, and so y'all can hear about it next week, which is today, because you're listening to it now. Um, so uh. So yeah, I, I lift, I, I lift. I told her I lift my shirt up. I showed a pistol. I said, but I don't want to do anything to uh, uh, with it. I said, but let me ask you this: if someone if someone swings at you, you might duck the first time, right? She said yes. I said, now if they swing at you and connect and get you in a corner, are you going to just take the punches or you're eventually going to swing and hit back? She said, I'm gonna hit back. I said, well, she got hit back and she got knocked down, and then I stepped over. I said, that's what happened. That's what happened. And then she nodded. She was like, okay. I said, yeah, okay. Bye. Um, so, yeah. So, voiceovers. <laughs> no, I, I always bring it back. The, the, um, yeah, so. Yeah. So, doing the colleges. Uh, and I had gotten burnt out. Um, and so, I had a. Uh, so, you know, it was just, here's the thing. It was just too much work. Like, I went from not having a lot of work, which is what any, any artist, that's what they want to do, man. You want to, if you look forward to the day where you can just fill up your calendar, right? I work a lot now. I'm talking, this is, this is, this is 17, 16, 17 years ago. I, I, at this point, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comic. From 92 to 97, and then 97, I quit my day job. So from 97 to 99 was rough, son. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was the dark period. It was just, it was, those were some lean years where uh, when I'm, I'm living in Bed-Stuy, I had the full, it's funny because I, I, I just was wondering how much that apartment goes for. Now, I had the entire top floor of a brownstone. It was, uh, it was, uh, more space than I needed, and I think I paid. I want to say that's seven ninety. It might have been a G, might have been a thousand dollars on Green between Bedford and Nostrand, right? Um, but it was a G. That that apartment now easily three thousand dollars a month, right? Um, but back then I'm paying a G, and at one point, uh. Uh, Todd Lynn, uh, who who uh, you know, are, are another brother gone too soon. Funny, funny cat. Um, Todd came and he lived with me for like a year. Uh, in that time, Leslie Jones, uh, big Le Les was uh, who's on SNL now. Les, we had to let her stay in the apartment. And I never I, look, man. I didn't mind. 
anybody. Um, I'm uh, 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 Dion Cole from Blackish. You know, and I, I love. I'm saying their names because this shows that we all came from humble beginnings. You know, uh, Dion Cole. Uh, I remember Dion and Tony Schofield from Chicago. They had to come and. Uh, Tony was staying overnight, and and they both had to stay in Tony Roberts. Like, in, in, it was just a crazy time, right? Uh, no, 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 no. This, this is, this is, uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Mike just asked, "Is this a place where your roommate robbed you?" No, this was. Uh, let me see. This is one. This is two apartments after that, because after that was in Park Slope, Sunset Park on Fourth Avenue, and then I moved to uh, Hancock Street in Brooklyn, and then eventually wound up on Green. Uh, between Bedford and Oak Street, so I'm I'm living there, and uh, and no, so so peeps, so with the breakdown, so these are lean years, man. I finally got in the NACA. I go to the Nationals uh, showcase, um, which I don't remember. It might have been in Boston. I'm not sure. And next thing I know, I have a line of colleges. All these colleges that I've been trying to get in, right? now are lining up saying we want to bring him to our school within the next year. And, and so um, February, like if I went to, if the showcase was like February 22nd, right? On February 21st, I might have had maybe three gigs on my calendar for the, for, for the, uh, the remainder of the year. And one or two of those were, were probably like Chitlin Circuit gigs on the road, going to do something in in Nashville, Tennessee, and then maybe uh, something to go do like a run in in I don't know in Ohio, go do a, you know one nighter at at the the Marriott in Ohio. Sorry, um, I go do this this showcase and they stand an ovation. Next thing I know, they're lining up. I see people line up. Pe- Taking pictures, which is why I'm big on. I I have no. I like taking pictures. You know, you feel like you're part of the people, man. So, take pictures. I I go go. They, then I think the next day or later that afternoon, they go to the room and people sort of like bid on. Yeah, we uh okay. Well, we're uh uh Eastern Connecticut State University, and we want to bring Dean to our school uh in 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 March. Okay, well, we're from UConn, and we also would like to bring Dean, so maybe we could do a blocking, right? So, so that's how they do it. So next, so so yeah, so you're mapping out where you're gonna where you're gonna go. Um, okay, well, we're this school, Bloomington, Indiana, and this other school in Illinois, and well, he can fly into uh, Chicago Midway, and he can drive, he can rent a car, and then drive to do this one school on Tuesday, and then he'll go to our school on Wednesday. That's how it was. So, yeah, so I went from having nothing on my calendar to to averaging probably 12 colleges a month, right? Um, Which was great on paper because now, dude, and I still have those those calendars just to, it's it's dope to look back. I'm I'm real big on uh, reflecting and seeing where where you came from and saying, you know what? It, as bad as we thought it was, it always got better, right? Um, so, like, 12 colleges in March and 13 in April and and then uh, 11 in May and then schools out in June. But the only two schools, uh, the only two high schools that came to the NACA were uh, uh, these prestigious um, Exeter Academy and there's another one in Vermont. I don't remember the name of it. 
And these are high school kids that they want me to go entertain these high schools because these kids are, are prep school kids that are going to be going to college. So I'm the only comic that's booked to go do these schools. And, and that's like an awesome feeling. Then I'm off in, uh, in July. Then, uh, then August, it picks up with the orientation shows. And now I have like seven orientations at the end of August. And then September picks up and I have 13 schools in September and 12 in October. Now, by this point, I'm probably, <laughs> I'm a good 65 in, man. I'm, I'm sort of now flying on fumes like, damn, I, I wanted all these schools, but oh, there's a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Uh, I'm on my second school in November, right? Uh, I get to the school. It's, it's like somewhere in Florida. I'm tired. It's like a 300 seat. I think I had. Uh, done a, a school maybe the night before. And so I went, drove to this school the next day. You drive like three hours, get to the hotel. No, we don't have early check-in, so now I got to go kill time in Circuit City at the time or or go see a movie uh, uh, and hope no one wants to break into whatever, you know, because I always, I always rent the compact cars. I wasn't trying to spend any extra money, so it was like, all right, give me the, the I don't know if it was a Geo Storm, but maybe like a, <laughs> a Toyota Corolla or something. You know, the base, base, base model you had. And I would always, I had my CD, so I just listen to music on these roads and really taking uh, music, you know, uh, listen to, I remember I, around then I got Miles Davis and Gil Evans had, had this great album that was a nice, like, it sounded like a movie soundtrack. And so I used to just like riding and zoning out to that because I also start creating material. So um, get to the school, or I get to you know lay down for a couple hours, go to school, meet student activities people, meet all the students. Um, they normally are like, you know what, we'll, we'll take you to Applebee's or, or Chili's afterwards, or you can just get food in the cafeteria, which is always awful. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, I'd like to go to Applebee's. However, first you got to do the show. So do the show, it's 300-seater. Uh, 298 people got them, got them dying. Two sisters sitting up front, and these two were son. Uh, my boy Landry taught me a phrase, uh, um, which I'd never heard, but I, I guess it's a, a you, have you ever heard the term, Mike, resting bitch face? I, y'all go look up, you know, whatever social media you're on, just put in the hashtag resting bitch face and you'll know exactly the face I was dealing with because I had look look Mike is on and he and he sees and it's just two and they were pretty girls they just had the stankest could not be bothered with with me or why am I existing in front of them right now for the next hour so I'm killing on stage first 10 minutes 15 minutes and finally, I just, son, I just, I, it hit me. I was like, what's, what's wrong with y'all, right? And, like, and they just stared and still looking stank. And I'm like, what's, why y'all, why, what's wrong? Y'all pissed? What are y'all mad? Why are y'all sitting up front? What? And then I got into a back and forth. And it wasn't even a back and forth where I was bashing them or they, were, they weren't even necessarily bashing me. I mean, it probably eventually got a little more heated. Where they're like, we ain't, we ain't smiling because you ain't funny. And so I'm going back and forth with them and hitting them. But then it got to the point where I stay, you know, there's a point 
And, and the newer comics, you know, the protocol that you should understand when dealing with a heckler is keep it moving, man. You know, address it. Like I said, address the elephant in the room and then keep it moving, man. And I didn't. I stayed on them too long. So now it became awkward when I went back to the rest of the show and I still had to do another like 30, 40 minutes. So I made it through it. Crowd was fine with it, but it still there was there was a there was a mark on on the on the night. This this older woman came up to me afterwards, also a white woman, and I'm saying that because I well well, but I watch, watch what happens. And she actually was on the flip side. She was on my side, right? She said, "You know what? Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Yeah." She's like, "How come you um why you why you even uh talk to them?" I was like, "Huh." I, I don't know, because they, they were she's like, yeah, but you know what? I saw them when they walked in here, and they looked miserable when they walked in here, and they wanted they wanted you to be miserable, too. And unfortunately, they, they, they kind of affected your happiness because you, you made, made a lot of us happy tonight, and I'm one of them. And, you know, and, I, and I appreciated her uh, saying that. That taught me a lesson, and it's a lesson I didn't take lightly because over the years, not immediately following, but, you know, Fast forward a couple of years and you you get wise to it and say, you know what? Now when I see a stank face, I actually, I actually, while I'm performing, especially after a big punchline, I stop on their face and smile to let them see how much they're not affecting my evening. Uh, you know, and then it's funny, the next day, my agent, uh, my, my Scott at Neon, and it's funny because Scott wound up going on, he's friends with uh, Snooky from Jersey Shore. I think she's from up there, and so he's friends with her father, so he wound up becoming her agent and making a killing just off of her so he didn't need uh, his stand-up comedy wing. I'm sure he still has it, though. Um, so y'all send send him a, a, a tape. If any of you new comics are looking for uh, representation, s- reach out to Neon Entertainment and Scott Tallarico. Tell him Dean sent you. Uh, <laughs> So after that, the next morning, Scott called me. And normally, I would always get, you know, excellent reviews. You know, people always say, oh, he goes above and beyond. The students love him. He's so personable. And this morning, Scott calls me. He's like, Dean, what, uh, what happened? I was like, Scott, man. I told him what happened. And I said, I'm, I'm tired, man. I said, I'm shy. I said, we need, to, we need to scale back. I can't. I said, I can't. I'm tired, man. You know, I can't do this many. And then I also said, you know what? I'm missing out on a lot of uh, TV and film opportunities. And I see a lot of my friends are going out on auditions and I'm missing all the auditions. So I, I really, uh, really want to scale back so I can be in town, be in New York for the industry, you know, uh, burning out, burn. And, and, and there's nothing to be ashamed about, you know, burning yourself out. It happens to all of us. It happens to the best of us. You know, the trick is just realizing and recognizing and then acknowledging before it's too late. So I did a month later. Uh, so I should. So we shut down instead of me doing 12 and 13. I'm doing five or six in a month. I was like, that's, that's good. I'm still making for someone, you know, uh, Patrice and, and Keith and I remember Voss and all of them, they were messing with me because anytime I go by the cellar, uh, they were like, oh, Dean's making that college money. Look at his new clothes. Those, that's, that's college. That's, the SUNY purchase paid for those sneakers, you know. Um, but, but it felt good because it, it was nice to finally, finally not be broke, you know. Um, so fast forward a month later and... Uh, 
I started freelancing with uh with Jason Steinberg. He said um he sent me out on an audition for the Snickers commercial. I booked it. Um as a matter of fact, he he sent me out via Paradigm Commercial Agency. Paradigm had a commercial department. So uh I went out for it, booked it. So now suddenly it made sense for him to say, you know what, I'm gonna represent you as manager. Um uh, across the board, and wait, am I? I'm trying to think if my math is off. Was I with him already? Oh no, this. I'm sorry. No, I'm. I'm. That's so convoluted. So that's a year later. I I started going out on commercials for Jason, and I booked like some MTV and like commercials. Uh, like I had an afro, so the shaft sort of feel thing, and then he got me a meeting with uh, Stacy and Doug and Paradigms. Uh, commercial department and they 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 were like oh he has a look which honestly for those that don't know that's why I grew an afro because I was like you know what I, I wanted to stand out because I remember someone said I I resembled I reminded them of talent and I was like talent and I look nothing alike except we're both tall and we're black but he's like lighter than skin than me so that was weird so um then a year later um the following December 2000 I booked uh the Snickers commercial with Paradigm, which that's kind of what changed everything because um, it was for Snickers Cruncher. I had this big afro and we were stepping on these toys and this commercial ran for like six to eight months, but it premiered during the Super Bowl. So this was my first like real like nationwide exposure outside of a uh, stand-up, you know, as, as, a, as a, I guess as an actor, even though it was commercial acting. So I, I booked that and then they started sending me out for more things. So now I'm getting a little heat now. This going back to how do you get an, a, a, any any representation is really just the hard work and, and the patience and putting in the the work and the time because I was I was uh I think I had taken uh Tracy Moore her name is was Tracy Moore Marvel was Tracy Moore now she has this acting class called the Spirited Actor and Tracy um she worked with a lot of hip hop artists from uh Busta Rhymes to uh Eve um she worked on Eve all through Eve's barbershop period and her sitcom, the whole nine. So uh, Tracy, I, I, I worked with her uh, acting class just to be uh, prepared. You know, I, I wanted to go into these uh, these auditions a little more prepared and, and knowing what what was expected of me. And, uh, and so being prepared helped Steinberg say, you know what, he's booked these, these small commercials with us. We're going to... Uh, introduce him to a large agency that has a, a commercial department. And then eventually I wound up booking, uh, I booked a couple of things. I booked uh, like this McDonald's industrial that Spike Lee directed, you know, so I was, I was getting, getting work, you know? Um, and that's a, to an agency. If you book anything, if you book a couple of times a year, whether it's big or small, it lets them say, okay, it reminds them that there is something there and we just need to get the world to see and understand that. So uh, eventually we booked that commercial paradigm got, got with us. And then with the, uh, you know, when I went in for the, y'all yeah, have heard the story with the mad TV and the SNL thing paradigm then decided, Oh, we're going to rep him across the board. No, no. Well, well for, for legit, not just for commercial, but for TV and film. And that happened because um, I had, in, there was interest now. So 
they they put me on to Jonathan. Was it Blumen? I think his name is Blumen. Jonathan Blumen, who's at Paradigm. Uh, they then sh- sort of slid me into his office, and then he introduced me to the main man, Jim, Jim Hess, who was at Paradigm in L.A., and he was like, a, a you know, a, one of the, like, VPs, like one of the big agents uh, that sort of spearheaded the whole Mad TV, SNL, get a deal, which way do we go uh, situation. Then from that, uh, I wound up... Um, I wound up, Jason knew, then this is what a manager does. He's like, you know what? There are a lot of voiceover things. I don't think, I don't think at the time, yeah, at the time, Paradigm did not have voiceover coverage. Coverage meaning they did not have a department specifically uh, dedicated to covering voiceover work. Um, But that was a big hole in their department or in their agency because there's a lot of uh, commerce to be earned in the voiceover world. So Jason wound up uh, uh, setting up a meeting with me um, at William Morris's voiceover department. And because I was on TV, it was an easy sell. He's on TV. He has a lot of range as a voiceover actor. We need to get him in there. So boom, he got me in there. And I started started booking right away. And once again, um, they they be anything from uh, radio commercials for, uh, you know, different colleges uh, or universities to uh, to McDonald's spots. You know, I've I've done I've done so many McDonald's spots, you know, over the years, um, <laughs> and, and 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 usually it's uh, if y'all think there's prejudice or, or or people putting you in boxes in in regular television and film. The, the voiceover world is totally sl- slanted that way. Because when, son, when you go, there, there are auditions I go on that they're just evergreen, meaning for anyone, all ethnicities. And then there are the black auditions where, where, and, and I, if you turn on the radio right now, wherever you are in the world, just go on and listen to, Whatever uh, urban station, whether it starts with a hot or power, right? Because because the black station is always power or hot or kiss, right? The the, the adult contemporary R&B is usually as a kiss, right? And when you hear a McDonald's commercial, come on, you're going to see it's going to be a little more sassy. And mm, I know that's right. Uh-huh. Dick girl, mm, you tell me. And, and the dude's always like, yeah, man, hey, shoot. <laughs> you know, that's right. Oh, well, shoot. I, is, at Mickey D's, for real? Uh-huh. I know that's you sure enough is because that's how they, that's how the commercials are still written. That's how they, so... I've made a living off of doing those commercials, but I've also uh, made, and I, and I won't say those are, uh, those are stereotypical, but then they're also, uh, you know, I did a couple of years ago, I had, uh, I had a Ford campaign. I did these Ford uh, spots um, for three different spots. And it was, uh, it's, it's the, uh, there was one I did on camera was the Ford 500. That's years ago. And then, I did, I think it was a Ford Focus, Ford Explorer, and there's one more. And uh with uh with 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 eco-friendly technology. Um uh I I, I can't remember, but those ran for a while and I I was proud of uh 
And and it was called and and um ah and it was like and 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 power lunches and date nights and it was more subdued and and there was there was a, there was a smoothness to my voice but it was it was more in this range as opposed to it being where where you hear you hear my neck is popping and I'm real man it's just cool baby you know it was more just just very just more more I I always call it sort of the uh that Denzel tone where it's just more level and 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 mellow and even you know um and then uh you know the 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 I think the State Farm spot just stopped running the one with the 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 baby um with uh with uh okay so does anyone not think it's weird that the that a mime is talking freaky and you know what the freaky came from and I might have said this in a previous episode um you remember Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis right everybody remembers remembers Mortal Kombat there was if you were playing there was a point we were playing Mortal Kombat and this face just came out and said toasty do you remember that yeah, so I so in the script when I auditioned, when it said toasty, when it said freaky, I just added the the toasty inflection. I was like freaky, and uh, well, it, it, yeah, I know, right? I know. Look, look, Mike said you can get sued for copyright infringement. Uh, I know you're listening to uh, now for Rail and, and Robin Thick. Did, did Mike? Did you think it sounded like uh, Marvin Gaye? I did. I I think. I think the 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 beat and the music, dude. I, the first time I heard Blurred Line, I was like, "Oh, they 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 sampled Marvin Gaye," and I don't, you know, I know, I know they they they're nobody is happy giving up seven million dollars, right? Uh, but I, for one, someone that's heavily into music, the first time I heard that song, and every time I've heard it since. I've always thought, oh, well, they, they just sampled Marvin Gaye. So, as a matter of fact, when I found out that they said they didn't sample Marvin Gaye, I was making the Martin Lawrence, Gino. I was making the face like, yeah, right. Y'all, y'all know somebody, if you ain't sample it, you definitely uh, played your version of it because that's how it sounds to me. You know, other people beg to differ. So that's how I wound up getting an agent, man. Um, you know, and... and uh, uh yeah um uh what what wound up happening like because uh some people know some people don't know I'm like uh the other day I was uh I was recording again for DreamWorks because I I do a lot of these uh I I I am uh Eddie Murphy's pretty much Eddie's stunt double when it comes to all things donkey uh whenever you need donkey uh more more often than than not when you hear donkey you're hearing me unless it's one of the feature films then of course uh well well then of course then you say well that's Eddie Eddie's getting a real check uh, and I want you all to know I don't get Eddie money <laughs> they're like uh take the gig and we'll throw your bone and I'm like okay I'll take it um but no I um and maybe I, you know what I'll uh, say again yeah, well, I mean, I sound like Eddie because Eddie, Eddie's my hero as as far as uh, stand up. One of the main reasons I uh, got into this, and so you know, I, I have I told the story about Shrek the Musical on here. I never told that. Okay, you know what? I think you know what. I'm saving it for when I have Stephen Glickman on because yeah, yeah, I do Eddie. I don't, I don't do him on stage. I do, you know what? I do him on stage. Um. 
on cruise on cruise ships, Landry and I said in uh in I think we said in the last episode, you do jokes. Um, there's certain jokes I'll do on a cruise ship or even overseas that I don't necessarily do um anymore on stage here. And it's not that I'm cheating the audience, but I know that I can do things that are older that I am not necessarily uh um that don't push anything artistically for me, but I'll do them over there because I ain't never seen somebody, uh, you know, do Michael Jackson. I'm not doing Michael Jackson on stage anymore, but I'm on that cruise ship and I got to make sure that the seven-year-old that might be in the audience laughs. I'm doing Michael Jackson, you know. Uh, um, so, so do, do I do Donkey on stage? Uh, I have one joke where I talk about the movie Shrek, and uh, and I do it very very briefly. Uh, where I talk about I, I love waffles, you know, but um, that's that's oh the kids eat that up, son. Um, but I I wound up and this this is for another episode altogether. But uh, you know, I I I was part of uh Shrek the musical for about two years, man. Um, uh, some people might know that a lot of people. No, um, but yeah, I was uh, I I played donkey uh, in and and if you notice uh, there there are a bunch of things you you notice um, from from playing donkey and then uh, actually being donkey um, you know and the various things that I've done is that uh, and and that Jeffrey Katzenberg the 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 head of DreamWorks pointed out um, to me uh, you know. Through, through various producers, Gary and uh, Karen Foster and such, is that um, if you listen to Eddie Murphy and... Actually, I noticed it, and then Jeffrey pointed it out, and I was like, no, I... I, I if you notice Eddie Murphy, uh, how he played Donkey... Hey, played Donkey in the first movie. First of all, he never says Donkey. He doesn't say Donkey. He says Donkey with, like, D-U, right? Um... Secondly, uh, Donkey when he first when he first got on the scene, he played hey Shrek, and everything was very high and very low. So his modulation would go high and then low real real quick. Um, it was just so exciting because he had a friend, and the intention the intention I learned I learned a lot working on the musical man because uh, as an actor, I really learned to uh, focus on uh, focus on intention. You know, intention as far as uh, um, you know what what a character's motivations are versus when I first went in reading for it, thinking it was just a, uh, a voiceover and not an actual me performing in a, in a, in a play, let alone. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I learned, you know, donkey, he's lonely and he wants a friend and he needs a friend. And so he does everything he can within his power to make Shrek, like him and, and and let him know, hey, I'm a I'm a I'm a cool I'm a cool cat for a donkey, you know. And I just, hey, man, you need a friend. You're alone, and I'm alone too. So I was thinking, man, why don't we hang out together? You know, Shrek and Donkey off 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 together on another whirlwind adventure, you know. And so I, I learned. Look, I'm getting goosebumps because I learned a lot, and I I had acted before, but uh, working on a musical is different because you're using so many different. Uh, tools and mechanics to convey uh your idea. And so um so I worked on the musical, uh we put it up on his feet um after about uh, 2 years and this is usually with a musical right before it goes to Broadway, 
Um, they'll bring it out to Seattle to workshop uh, with the final cast and crew, um, staging, and then it goes to Broadway. Uh, goes to previews and then Broadway. So they fired me and a lot of the uh, cast right before broad, right before we went to Seattle, which was shocking. But I I went into it thinking it was a voiceover audition. So the fact that two years later I I came through it with a lot more information, I was fine with. I'll tell y'all more. Uh, later down the line, because it's 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 kind of a, it's a pretty funny story, entertaining story. Um, but what what good came out of that was I wound up uh, becoming the go to voice for Donkey because uh, they were like um, when they were doing Shrek three, I believe they called me in to do uh, voiceover work uh, because they knew I I, I did such a great voice um, vocal vocalization. Well, it was an audition. I the, Originally, I went in just for the audition, just as an actor. They didn't know I could do Donkey. Yeah, they auditioned, they auditioned a gang of people for the uh, role, a gang of people that were better singers, um, that, that might have been just equally as good actors, but I guarantee you, none of them, Eddie Murphy did not influence them the way Eddie Murphy influenced me, so that's why... They wound up booking me. And there were four workshops. They booked me for the first and second, got rid of me for the third because they wanted to, as they said, cast a wider net. And they really wanted someone that had a strong singing voice and was trained in musical theater. Um, but I know after two workshops, uh, I had really put my foot on the role as far as the performance uh, and the acting. Uh, because I had really learned what what this character was seeking and wanted and needed out of life and 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 his uh his uh his goals that he wanted to achieve as far as having a friend and and having a family in in Shrek and Fiona. It's funny because there's always this psychoanalysis of the movie Shrek that y'all are hearing. Uh, so yeah. So then after the uh after the third workshop. My agent called and said, listen, they uh they want to bring you back in, but they're going to have you work with this speech pathologist to strengthen your voice because you can sing, but they need someone that that can sing and sing to the cheap seats. So, which is really what Broadway is. You have to be able to sing to Rose ZZ, you know, way up in the in the nosebleed section. So uh, we put it on his feet for Jeffrey Katzenberg and Sam Bender's uh, production was also producing and uh and Sam was married to uh what's uh what's her name Rose from uh uh from 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 what's the movie from Titanic uh I was gonna say Rose McGowan but what's her name Kate 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 Winslet yeah she was they were married so she's at the final work it was dope too because they're all there and she's like hi I'm Kate I'm like I know who you are you know and this is my daughter and it was it was nice man so got rid of us but then fast forward a year later and uh and I get a call from my agent. They're like, yeah, uh oh, and boom, at this time, I I I had moved from uh William Morris and I'm with an agent and my agent uh or my manager still was with Steinberg at the time. Manager says, um, yeah, uh, I want you to William Morris has had shut down their voiceover department. Um, the only voiceover work they were now doing was for like big name celebrities so they shut down because Mark Theobald actually used to work with them as well uh, Steinberg got him down with them as well so once they shut them down Jason knew that we still 
were a, a good earner in the voiceover world. So he said, you know what? I have this uh, guy. He used to work at one of the other big agencies, has his own boutique agency, Stephen Arcieri. So he hooked me up with Arcieri. Love Arcieri, man. He's always looked out. And it's cons- what out of all the reps I've ever had, probably the most consistent. I've always, always felt covered and coverage from him. And, and uh, and I go out on a lot of uh, voiceovers and, and, you know, I'm always happy if I can book from the biggest to the smallest. Like I said, from the State Farm thing that uh, just been running for like two years to, to uh, I'm trying to think what else, to the Ford spots. Like I always get something to like the, if you ever see the 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 Sam Jackson Capital One commercials, they actually booked me to help them book Sam Jackson. Like the, uh, this was a weird one. Like my agent called and they were like, can you do, can you do Sam Jackson? I was like, I can do, if need be, I can, you know, I don't have a perfect Sam Jackson, but I can, I can find his, his, his tone and inflection. So I go in and, uh, <coughs> and what had happened was I was, uh, I was on hold for, uh, uh, there was there was um, a Capital One commercial a couple of years ago that that they had me on hold, and they were like, "Yeah, um, uh, it, they wanted me to sound uh, Nigerian or Ethiopian." So I remember the the commercial. So I had to end the uh, what's it, what's what's the line from it, it is what is what is in. So I remember I was I was like, "What is in your wallet?" Right? What is in your wallet? I remember ending with that and I was on hold for it and then they told me I sounded too Ethiopian too 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 ethnic and then I saw the commercial and I heard what is in your wallet and I was like but that that's what I did whatever so uh they called um like probably a year year and a half ago maybe two years I don't remember maybe it was 13 2013 maybe so they called and uh Arcieri was like, uh, yeah, they, can you do a Sam Jackson? They want a Sam Jackson-esque sound uh, to this audition. Uh, so I did it, and they were like, okay. Um, they want to they book you to do it, um, but it's not. this won't be the final commercial. They're going to use this as a, I think it's called the Scratch Demo. Yeah, Scratch Demo. Um, yeah, you would know, Mike. Uh, you use it as a Scratch Demo to play for Sam and to give well to play for the the uh the buyer yeah so the editors will 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 put my voice in to this commercial that they want for Sam and and then they'll use it to have Capital One say you know what this is what if we get Sam Jackson this is how it'll sound and it'll be awesome and now Sam Jackson is in those spots so i like to take my personal credit for uh being part of that uh and so they they uh the same thing happened with um with DreamWorks. They called and they said, you know what, um, you know what, uh we're 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 doing some ADR uh looping for Shrek 3. Uh would is this something Dean might be interested in because Jeffrey remembers he did a pretty good uh donkey sound alike, and we'd like to bring him in. So we're like, all right, cool. So I went in. Nailed it, and uh, I had so here's here's where being a comic and being pigheaded sometimes gets gets you in trouble. I uh, I was doing the what club, I was doing the St. Louis imp, the St. Louis Funny Bone, 
And it's one of the few clubs that they still allow you to smoke in. So by the end of the weekend, my voice is shot, right? Uh, I had to go to L.A. immediately following. So I go to L.A. Uh, and I should have just sat quietly. And the same way this this week, I, I knew I was recording Donkey um, when I had recorded it. Or did I say last week? Oh, I'm messing with timelines anyway. So, uh, so I um, instead, I go to L.A. and I'm getting on stage. I'm up at the Laugh Factory Chocolate Sundays. I did both shows. And I did Mo' Better Mondays. Because, uh, you know, we love alliteration. Mo' Better Mondays. Tripping, tripping on Tuesday. So, anyway, uh, I do. So, the final, I'm supposed to go to DreamWorks uh, Studios on Wednesday. I, I should have chilled because my voice is not getting better. And then I go on it tripping on Tuesdays. And I have this joke where I talk about airplane crashes and I scream real loud for a couple of minutes. So I did the joke. And then Wednesday morning, I was messed up. And I couldn't. And it hurt to talk. And uh, what made it worse is, as I said, Donkey, Donkey, if anyone knows anything about uh, vocal, vocal, uh, performance is that donkey is real in the bottom of your throat and then it goes very high up to the top of your throat you know so there's a lot of modulation going on there when you're doing it and uh and i and i called uh uh christy sofer who uh who is the uh um i think she's in development or casting uh, well anyway called her i said christy i don't know if i can come in and do it my voice she's like no you're fine everybody loved you you don't even really have to do well. Just do do enough so that the people here in the studio hear it because Jeffrey and everyone already has co-signed. I went in. I couldn't. I, I, was, I couldn't. I, it, it, it's not as it's not a lot, but it's more than you think. And I blew it. And, and, and um, I, no, you know what it was? I'm sorry. I, I nailed it for the ADR, right? I nailed it for the ADRing. But then, previously, in New York City, they needed someone to ADR loop. So I nailed it for the loop. And then they said, he was so good, let's bring him in to do all of the, the wild spots for the McDonald's commercials and Royal Caribbean and all, all, that, all those spots that really run when the movie first comes out for a good one to three months. And... So I went out to L.A. for that, and I blew it. And then I remember seeing those commercials running all the time. And I remember Rich even, he was like, damn, man, I wish you had just not done that joke and rested your voice, man, because you lost a lot of money off those jokes. And I did. I lost a gang of loot on those. Fortunately, fast forward a year later, they were doing a Shrek Halloween special called Scare Shrekless, which is now, I think, called Shrek Spooky Stories on Netflix. And same thing. They said, listen, um, we understood what happened. We want to see if you want to come back in. You have to or you have to re-audition. We're not giving you anything, but you have to re-audition. But now, you know, I wasn't talking for a week. I, can, I was like, I'm preserving my instrument. So I preserved it. Uh, next thing you know, I go to uh, the studio in Manhattan, lay it down. I get word back from my from my agent. They said, yeah, they did a taster's test and brought your voice over around with the guy who normally does. Because there's, the, you know, it's funny. There's another comic uh, that that does the, uh, that was doing uh, all the donkey voiceover work. And I think he also did like 
he he played Mulan in Mulan Two, or played the dragon in Mulan Two. Um, and I don't know his name. I apologize for not knowing his name. But um, they did the taste test around all of DreamWorks with it, and everyone they said you you, you yours unanimously won everybody over. So I wound up. Uh, booking this Scares Shrekless thing, which was awesome because they said Eddie just didn't feel like doing the TV special. They said Mike Myers did, uh, Cameron Diaz, Antonio Banderas. But I was the only one that wasn't from the original that they brought in to uh, be part of this, uh, this uh, you know, TV special that was going to air, um, you know, along with Charlie Brown's specials for Halloween. So I was... Uh, yeah, it airs. It airs um, every year. It, it, it gets Netflix burn, uh, you know, so it's, it's a good look. And um, and then from that, they said, you know what it was? Because my agent at the time, Bernie, he was at Gersh. At this point, I, I'm with a different agency now. Um, and Gersh doesn't have a voiceover department. So that's why I'm still with RCR. So uh, my agent, Bernie, he was like, well, shoot, since uh, since Eddie's not doing it, um, you're saving money not getting Eddie, but can we get Dean a bump up in uh in his pay? And they were like, uh, no. <laughs> they were like, uh, no, you'll get scale and you'll be happy with it. So, but they were like, you know what? You'll get scale, but we'll also use you uh for all of DreamWorks animated projects. So for like the next year, every time, uh, every time there was a DreamWorks project. Like uh, uh, how to train your dragon, that you know they the, usually when they have like say America Ferrera, uh, uh, is it Ferrera Ferrara, Ferrara America Ferrara when she came in to read for how to read train how to train your dragon they need someone else to read with her so I got paid for those sessions reading with her and reading with like Tina Fey uh, from Mega Mind and Will Ferrell from Mega Mind and uh, there was there was a there's this movie. That I don't think is ever happening. Um, if if not, it won't happen for a long time. With uh, Bill Hader and Josh Gad, called "Me and My Shadow," right? And Hader kills it the same way Robin Williams sort of made Aladdin his movie. Hader made this movie his movie because he got to just flip. And and Hader's another dude does a lot of impressions, a lot of vocal inflections, and changes his voice and. It was great for that, uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't know why. But I spoke to the sound engineer recently on it. He said, "Yeah, I, I got shelved for whatever reason." Um, but uh, to the point where I remember even reading, and I think Hater came in and he was surprised. He was like, "Hey, you know, because SNL, uh, all things go back to SNL, right?" So, uh, and I, it's funny because I remember at one point saying to myself, "Geez, I wonder if." Anybody look down on me for doing this? I was like, no, because you're a, you're working, b is, uh, you're you're supporting your family, and c, you're working. So I, because I, I, I guess, in my mind, the 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 insecurity that had creeped out at that point, this this the moment of insecurity, I guess, that creeped out was like, wow, he's he's still on SNL, and I'm not on it anymore, and he's starting this, and I'm just reading with him. So that's how I I remember. Thinking about it, not for long, not dwelling on it, but I remember thinking about it and saying, "Well, you know what? This is this is just what it is, and and you keep it moving, you know, and that's and that's the work, you know." Um, and it's funny because I didn't feel that way when I was when I sat with Will 
and sat with Tina. With them, it was more like a, a homecoming and seeing friends you hadn't seen in a long time. But I think because Hater and I hadn't worked together previously, I I had enough uh, awkward insecurity inside myself, and I can I can own it and admit it. I and I'm not, and anyone that knows me knows I'm not an insecure cat. But that was a moment of insecurity where I was like, oh man, I wonder if he's looking at me that way and gonna go back. Like, yeah, I was Dean Edwards, he was doing, but but I'm sure he didn't go back because I think I even told him I said, yo, tell tell Farrow I said what up. Um, uh, I think uh, Jay was on the show. That might have been his first season. So um, so yeah, it was uh, it was cool, and and so from that, my agent was then able, my voiceover agent, because I wasn't getting uh, any big pay paycheck from doing the uh, the scare Shrek list. That was more in bulk because we recorded probably 20, 30 times. So that that I earned a decent amount just off of going and having to re-record and and because Shrek is 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 definitely uh Jeffrey Katzenberg's baby where everything goes through his office and so he'll listen and he'll say, well you know what um tell Dean that was too high. And that's what I stood my original point earlier as far as Eddie's delivery, how it changed in in the early Shrek, in the early Shrek, it was very high and very low. And it would go every every which way. And everything was just so excitable. But if you watch uh, the latter movies, if you watch uh, Shrek three and four, uh, it's very it's very much down here because Eddie's older, and so it's, it's and so he doesn't have the like. If you notice, Eddie Murphy doesn't eh, eh, he doesn't do that laugh anymore because that 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 it's strange and 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 his and his voice has developed in a different way and changed over years. So. He doesn't have the same laugh. Now you hear Eddie laugh. It's, you know, it's just very simple. Um, but versus his, his I, I used to be able to do that. <laughs> but now I have to fake it when I do it, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so Jeffrey Katzenberg would always say, oh, you know what, um, tell Dean he was too high on that. And now it's sort of a running gag, like when we're recording. If I get too excited while I'm recording... Because now I'm so comfortable. I mean, I've been doing Donkey now a good eight years, right? Um, and, and earning a living in some capacity by doing Donkey. Uh, but I, I know the character so well now. So now when I go in the studio, I'm just ready to rock and roll. But as I also will do a couple of takes, and then they'll say, okay, Dean, uh, Gary, the director, he'll say, all right, now uh, you know. Do me, do me a favor. Give give us a uh, give us one that's more straight, more a little lower, because you know Jeffrey and everybody starts laughing because they know Jeffrey will uh will give that no. Shout out to um Katzenberg and and everyone at DreamWorks that uh has has allowed my dreams to continue to flourish and come true because I love uh I love I love anytime they call me for those things and I just had to do one this past uh last week and. Um, you know what? They like anytime, uh, cause like Shrek is an industry, so there's uh like if they have like Universal, Universal theme park in Thailand, right? They'll they'll call me in. They'll call me in, and, because they'll have like a uh, donkey is the tour guide, and so uh, hey, is everybody ready to get on the mat on this big red magic bus? And get on the ride. We okay. Should we go left and keep keep your hands in inside? Like honestly, and so all those things and anything, 
any and all things Shrek they wind up calling me for. And, and sometimes you won't get the call for months. Sometimes you get a call to say, okay, remember that thing we did four months ago? We have to go back in and add something to that. They have this other thing, uh, uh, Shrek o Ogre House, I think. Or like these pop the, the pop-ups in malls. And uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's been great. And so last week, um, that uh, was the night that I had the heckler. No, the next night I was out and about. And I saw some uh, good buddies, my boy Maj Jabrani and his family. We we traveled uh, Egypt and uh, the Middle East together. So it was good seeing him. Uh, and actually, he, uh, he signed his book for me. It's titled, I'm Not a Terrorist, But I've Played One on TV. Memoirs of a Middle Eastern Funny Man by Maz Jobrani. Very proud and very inspiring to see um, what, you know what he does as slick? And I told him, I said, dude, that's brilliant. Because everyone that walked out had a book. So I was like, damn, he really makes sure people buy his book. And no, what they do, they would jack up the price of tickets by 20 and everyone gets a copy. And he signs and takes pictures with everyone. Maz, good, good businessman, great comic man, just a good friend. Man. It's always been a... Good, good dude, man. And uh, I think he's going to like Sweden or something next, man. Um, and he always asked me to go on stage um, during this show, uh, which I did and had had a blast. But then I got sick that night. I It's funny because early in the day, I was going to, I usually take like four to 6,000 milligrams of, of vitamin C. And I didn't take any that day and thought about doing so, but I didn't. And I was like, damn, I, I should have. Because I uh, I wound up, someone infected me, and the, the final show I was doing that night, I felt it in my throat, and I woke up Sunday, messed up, and uh, I had to record on on Monday. And so, knowing I always have that incident of losing my voice when I was in Cali and going to DreamWorks, so I'm always that's that's probably the scariest you'll ever see me with regards to what I'm doing on stage. I don't get stage fright. Um, I don't get afraid of audience or hecklers. But when it comes to making sure my voice is, is where it needs to be, that, gets, that always has me nervous. So I always travel. Um, protocol, the Fothermucker protocol for any of uh, y'all that, that really cherish your voice and use your voice, man. Always, uh, I always, in, in, in my travel kit, I always have singer's throat spray, this herbal throat spray, um, that that actually um, my cast members um, from Shrek the Musical, uh, they actually um, put me on to that. Um, also, garlic. I don't know what the healing properties are in garlic, son, but anytime I feel a little itch or feel a sickness coming on, dice up some raw garlic and just put it, whatever you're eating. I don't care if you're eating a piece of fruit or if you're eating a sandwich, I will, I will douse... Douse for 24 hours, maybe 48 hours if, if, if it's real bad. But I eat garlic. And son, I, it's, the garlic helps knock whatever it is out. Um, I obviously gargle salt, salt water. People always say uh, tea with honey. There's a tea called throat coat, which is really good um, for like immediate uh, soothing if you have a sore throat. Um, I, I usually do like Ricola's with echinacea. But the, sugar is not good for your throat and your vocal cords. That's a misconception is that people will get tea and put honey in it. But the honey is actually, it feels good. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I think people dispute whether that's actually helping or hurting or hindering because of the sugar. I usually will do 
the throat coat or even uh, uh, chamomile tea. And I just drink it uh, right before it's too, like, blaze scorching hot. I drink it when, when it's warm, warmed up a little bit. And and it usually uh, soothes, man. And, and, and drink a lot of fluids. Um, so, yeah, so... Like I said, I, I I hope this has been informative. I, I don't have specific ideas as far as how you get an agent for for voiceover or anything, really. Honestly, just put in the work. If you keep putting in the work, eventually someone's gonna come come in and, and recognize that you uh that you have the skills. I don't know if I I suggest to people submitting, I mean if you if you're gonna submit, submit aggressively. Don't just here. I'm gonna just send a, a random email because you know how many emails I have in my folder that I, that uh, inbox that I haven't opened. You you have to make sure that they are aware of you. You have to make sure that whoever you're trying to get their attention that they know that you are um, you are actively seeking their attention. Um, if it, you know some sometimes people say, well, they took a voiceover class. It, it it can't hurt, but I don't know if it necessarily helps. Other than if if the person that's teaching the class has uh has an in, like maybe after you take the class, they'll they have a, a an in to an agency, and they'll you'll meet with a their voiceover agent. You know, because it could also just be a, a a hustle. It could also just be their angle where they're like, okay, I made some money doing voiceovers. Now I'm going to teach people the things that I learned way back when, when, when I used to send out tapes, but yeah, now no one sends out tapes, you know? So it's, 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 it, things have changed dr- dramatically. So their approach might be archaic at this point. Um, saying, I, do I do email submissions? Oh, well, well, you know what? Here's the thing. Like now, like I, I do, if you, if you can hit, if you can get, information on the auditions directly from the casting uh agencies this 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 is actually good information i think for anyone that uh wants to get into voiceover um if you can get and i don't and because i'm i'm so far out of that that world now where i have to search for auditions because my agents will just send send them to me but if you have uh Check me. Is Backpage still around? It's probably still around. Yeah. So if you ever are, are scrolling through Backpage or anything that says um, submissions online, what you might want to do: invest in a decent, uh, a decent microphone, um, and some sort of uh, equipment that convert, and then also an app that converts to MP3. Uh, very easily. Like uh, right now on my, uh, because oftentimes I'll submit. Actually, the 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 audition for the State Farm spot, which I mentioned with the with the mime and the baby that I wound up booking, that was a I I recorded that on an iPad on an iTouch, not even an iPad. It was an iTouch. It might have been my wife's iPhone. I used used it, recorded it because. I use Galaxy and they don't their theirs doesn't convert properly so that's so I give I give iPhone that one y'all y'all get y'all get dap on that all right um, but the new iPhone Gold you gotta buy a whole new charger and all your old uh, items don't work which bugs me about Apple so that's why I have the one item in my household that is not 
uh, Steve Jobs uh, created <laughs> was this this uh the Note Three by Samsung. So, um, get yourself some good equipment, um, and and you know just just practice and 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 and, and read and 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 uh, you know read anything that you you can read sides. You know read auditions, read scripts, and and. Notice what it is that makes your voice unique and then listen to commercials, record commercials, see what they're doing in the commercials and, you know, try, try to mimic and then try finding your angle and your slant on, uh, excuse me, on, uh, on the, uh, voiceovers there. I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, there's a really good voiceover, um, documentary on, on voiceover, Actors, I'm looking it up on Netflix right now. Um, yeah, and it's all because it's funny. The majority of actors, <coughs> I actually did pretty well considering my voice is still not at a hundred percent. That's the first time I took a sip of water. Uh, look up uh, Mike DiMaggio. I know that voice is the name of the documentary, right? Great documentary. Um, specifies that a lot of the the big time voiceover work as far as animation specifically is is based in LA but there's a lot of I think commercially there's a lot of it is based in New York you know um and so because the ad agencies are out here um so you know check that out record yourself listen yourself watch uh watch what you do learn what it is that makes your voice unique um Learn how to modify the, your voice, but still maintain a certain uniqueness. And then wherever you, you're able to submit, whether it's uh, open casting calls or not, I know it sounds far-fetched, but it's possible in the meantime, if you are an actor and or a stand-up or a sketch performer, all those things help. The more you are engrossed in the arts and, and the entertainment, the more... You don't have to chase it down because you are it, you know. Um, I hope that answered, uh, you know, some of the inquiries that that I've gotten over the years. Um, with, 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 oh yeah, and big shout out to Don Lafontaine. He was the original movie voice in a world. Um, he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, yeah. So this was, yeah, you know, this is the, the Father Muckin voiceover episode. We, we bounced around a lot. <laughs> we bounced around a lot, but, um, I, I, I landed the plane. I hope, uh, I hope I shared something with you all that was insightful. This how long was this one, Mike? This is, this was almost two hour joint. It's been a while since we've gone that long, uh, on a solo one. And, and uh, but we pulled it out, especially since, uh, since we wound up guestless. Um, as always, y'all, y'all uh, you know, follow brother at I am Dean Edwards and all things. Uh, new website. Uh, uh, Donna, so it looks good. We need to tweak a couple of things. But um, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Well done, Regina and Mia. Uh, and uh, hey, big love. Shout out to all the fam uh, that listen every week, support every week, and, and tell a friend every week same way y'all heard me bigging up uh, all these other podcasts make sure you tell a friend big up this podcast check it out listen leave some comments on uh, on, on SoundCloud as well as uh, iTunes 
positive or negative, man. If the comments, which means you're listening, we have your attention, and we'll keep working to, uh, you know, give you some flavor uh, at the motherfucking protocol, all right? All love, I need some tea right now. Chamomile, maybe some echinacea. Um, I- I'll holler at y'all next time, all right? Two fingers, PC. Easy.